I kind of had some fun earlier uh, this week. I guess maybe it was just yesterday. It's been such a long weekend. It feels like a week and a half. But I guess just yesterday, anyway, on Facebook, I, uh, I, I asked a question about uh, famous arch enemies. You know, all of our heroes had nemesis. And, uh, you know, Batman's got Joker, right? Um, Sherlock Holmes had uh, Moriarty, uh, Superman had Lex Luthor, you get the idea. And so I just ask on Facebook, who are, you know, who, who comes to mind as a, a, a famous nemesis, uh, arch enemies? And I got some interesting answers, the, the, the Avengers, of course, and, and their arch enemy, Thanos, 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 all right, yeah. That is one ugly dude, by the way. He is, yes, and big, and he got those streaks down his face. He's scary looking, yeah. Captain Kirk and Khan, of course. Roadrunner and the Coyote. Tom and, there you go, y'all are awake. Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny. Al Capone and Elliot Ness. Peter Pan and Captain Hook. There you go, good. Robin Hood, the Sheriff of Nottingham. Some of you may remember Jason Medlin a long time ago. He was our youth guy here. And uh, his answer was Phineas and Ferb and Dr. Doofenshmirtz. Okay, he's, uh, uh, by the way, Jason is uh, a preteen minister now in the kind of the Metroplex area. And uh, so that kind of explains that answer, doesn't it? Um, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Harry Potter and Lord Voldemort. A&M and Texas. <laughs> Bullwinkle and Boris. Red Riding Hood and Big Bad Wolf. There you go. How about this one? H.R. Puffin Stuff and Witchy Poo. Does anybody other than me remember HR? Oh, good. I feel better. Yes. The Duke Brothers and Boss Hogg. Dr. Pepper and Mr. Pip. <laughs> Gratitude and grumbling. This morning, I want us to think together about gratitude's nemesis. Grumbling. It is the exact opposite of gratitude. Gratitude's nemesis. And we're going to start in the Old Testament book of Exodus chapter 16. If you have your copy of scripture with you, I want to invite you to look with us there in Exodus chapter 16. It says in chapter 16 verse 1, they set out from Elam and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. Now, out of all that verse 1, I think the most important thing for us today is to see that this was fairly early in the journey, a couple of months after they left Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. 
when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. What an amazing thing. These people were slaves. No freedom, no hope, no future. God sets them free miraculously, powerfully. You remember the whole story of the plagues and, and how Pharaoh finally gives in and, and God protects them and he, he gets them through the waters and then the waters close up over the enemies. Powerful stuff. And in two months, these folks are saying, man, I wish we were back in slavery again. That's crazy. See what has happened, they're no longer looking toward God who has led them. Now they're looking at what they don't have. Do you see that? They said, we wish we were back in Egypt where at least we had meat pots. I'm not even sure what that is. That doesn't sound very good to be honest with you, but they, they, they missed their meat pots. You see, what's happened is they've taken their eyes off of the one who is blessing and they're focused on what they don't have. That is an easy trap into which we fall far too often. It's easy for us to notice what we don't have. It's easy for us to feel and to see the things that are going wrong. And the enemy loves it when we get our attention on those things. Look at verse 6. We're going to fast forward past a couple of verses. Pick it up at verse 6. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. Because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? Two things happening there right off the bat. First, he says, in the evening, you're going to be reminded that God is taking care of us. And in the morning, he says, you're going to see the glory of the Lord. In other words, you're going to focus again on what you're supposed to. You're going to take your eyes off of what you don't have you're going to stop looking in the past, and you're going to once again see the glory of God. How's that going to happen? Well, we're not going to take time to read the whole story, but let me just give you the Reader's Digest version. And that is this, that in the evening, God provided quail. Quail everywhere. Plenty of quail for everyone. And they would gather the quail. They would have their meat in the evening. In the morning... They would wake up and the dew had settled over the land. And as the dew dried up and disappeared, leaving, it, leaving behind the manna. Manna was basically bread. The word manna means, what is that? And it really does. In Hebrew, it means, what is that? They had never seen anything like this before. And so they called it manna. It is bread. And so every morning there was new bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Remember that prayer? It's based on this truth that God provides daily. And so he is saying to them, 
God is going to take care of you like he has all along. He's going to give you meat in the evening. And in the morning, you're going to see this manna. And it's going to put your eyes back on him and his glory where they belong. We continue then into verse 8. And Moses said, when the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to be full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against, look, against him. What are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Earlier when we read that they grumbled, it said they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They said, we wish we had died over there. Why would you bring us out here? They thought they were grumbling about Moses and Aaron. And Moses says, hey, folks, God has been providing for you. So while you're grumbling and complaining and turning your anger toward us, what you're really doing is slapping God in the face. What you're really doing is telling God you have not provided well enough. We deserve better. We want better. Step up your game, God. It's all about a chosen perspective. Some of you have heard me mention before, uh, but it's worth mentioning again. The time I went to Walmart to, uh, to get some T-shirts, I went into Walmart, I got my t-shirts, I paid for them, went out and got in the car, and realized that when I was in Walmart, I did not see one TV. Now, you know Walmart's got TVs. Why didn't I see a TV? Because I wasn't looking for a TV, I was looking for t-shirts. You see, you're going to see that for which you look. Whatever it is you're looking for, that's what you're going to find. You show up at work and you're looking for a reason to be grumbly and complaining. You show up at school and you're looking for a reason to be mad. You, you show up at church and you're looking for a reason to be uncomfortable. You're going to find it. We find what we look for. I found my t-shirts, but I didn't, I didn't see any groceries. I wasn't looking for groceries. It's all about choosing perspective. C.S. Lewis put it well. He said, what you see and what you hear depends a great deal on where you're standing. It all depends on what sort of person you are. Gratitude's nemesis is grumbling. We get to choose whose side we're going to be on. We get to choose our perspective by deciding what we're going to look at. The people of Israel could only look at what they didn't have. And Moses said, because of that, you're insulting God who's been providing. He's going to provide and when he does, you need to refocus to express your gratitude to him. King David had to learn that. You remember King David, he had it all, man. He had a flourishing kingdom. He had a successful career. He had a wife who loved him. 
At that time, he had a healthy family, great wealth, but his gaze shifted from all the blessings that he had been given, and he started looking at what he didn't have. And that grumbling started taking over. Instead of being grateful that he had been blessed more than just about anybody at that time, he wanted to look and find what he didn't have. And that un ingrateful spirit wound up messing up his life and a whole lot of others. Well, here the people of Israel started grumbling. They're not grateful. Surely, when the quail showed up and then when the manna appeared, surely they learned their lesson. I, I, I'm, I know that after going through that experience and Moses says, God's going to take care of you, surely they got it right. Look at Numbers chapter 11 with me. We're in Numbers chapter 11. When we started in Acts chapter 16, I told you that the journey had been about two months. Let's fast forward through the journey to around 800 days, over two years. Numbers 11, the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. It tells you how God feels about our lack of gratitude. Here it is, two years, over two years, not quite three, that they've been wandering. They've been provided for. And all they can think about is their misfortunes. So God sends a fire to remind them. If you're not a, you don't appreciate the stuff that you've been given, we'll just get rid of some of it. Any of you parents ever think about that kind of parenting? You don't, you don't appreciate those toys. You don't take care of those toys. We'll just get rid of those toys, and then we'll see. God says, I've heard you grumbling again. I've been taking care of you, and yet you don't care. Verse 2, then the people cried out to Moses. Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Tabarah, which because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. 
Do you notice how they went from gratitude to grumbling? They learned their lesson. They went back to gratitude and now back to grumbling. Grumbling is gratitude's nemesis. As soon as we get grateful for a while, grumbling fights for attention. And grumbling jumps in and says, yeah, but look what you don't have. Anybody like the old Western shows, movies? The old Westerns? How many times in one of those Westerns did we hear one guy say to the other guy, there ain't room in this town for both of us. Right? Folks, when you consider your heart, your attitude, gratitude says to its nemesis, gratitude says to grumbling, there ain't room in this heart for both of us. So you have to decide, will I keep my focus on God and his blessings and be grateful? Or do I choose the nemesis? Do I choose to let gratitude or to let, <laughs> to let grumbling settle in, thereby pushing gratitude out? You see, your attitude is like a one-room apartment. There's no room for a roommate. The only way to get grumbling to move out is to invite gratitude to move in. It's one or the other. Gratitude and grumbling do have one thing in common, and you may have, you may have picked up on it when we read, I think it was verse 5. Gratitude and grumbling have one thing in common, and that is that they're both contagious. Did you notice there, verse 4, the rabble that was among them had a strong craving and the people of Israel also wept again and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. That grumbling is contagious and it can wipe out a positive culture in a workplace or in a home or in a classroom. That grumbling gets, gets caught by those around us. That's why some of us need to look at the people we hang out with and practice some social distancing. Some of those grumblers need to be outside your circle of influence. Since, since, since gratitude and grumbling are both contagious, here's the question. Which one are you spreading around? You're spreading one or the other. Are we spreading an attitude that, that leads to grateful experience of God and his blessings? Or are we spreading an attitude that's just always finding problems, always negative, always grumbling, always complaining? Last week, when we talked about gratitude, we discovered how gratitude enables us to experience God's grace. When, when we relate to God in a, with, with that gratitude, it opens us to receive 
whatever it is he wants to give us by his grace. The exact opposite happens with grumbling. Because when we grumble, we are in effect rejecting the grace of God. We're saying to God, whatever you have done for me is not enough. Whatever you gave me isn't good enough. And that grumbling attitude is rejecting the grace of God. John Gordon said recently in a tweet, abundance flows into your life when gratitude flows out of your heart. It opens you to receiving God's grace and his blessings. So again, the quote, abundance flows into your life when gratitude flows out of your heart. I might add to his quote that while gratitude leads to abundance, the person who grumbles lives a life that crumbles. Grumbling is the arch enemy of gratitude because it causes us to shift our focus from God's provisions to our problems. Gratitude is making the choice to focus on God and his gifts. As we move forward through this season, I just want to encourage you to take some power in your own life. Accept the responsibility for some self-control. And don't let the experiences around you dictate how you're going to feel. You choose. You decide. Yes, I have problems. Yes, I'm missing someone or something that would make my life better. But I choose to focus on the blessings that God has given me. I just decide I'm going to focus on how good he is and how every morning when I wake up, there's new manna. Day by day, new mercies. I see, but I'm only going to see them if I'm looking for them.